ready to rise above loud, angry headlines, longing for an alternative to the world's fighting and fear-mongering? Christianity Today magazine offers a trustworthy, faithful perspective on stories that matter to you, from the church next door to movements and ministries all around the world. Subscribe to CT for full access to in-depth reporting, insightful commentary, and redemptive storytelling, both online and in print. A subscription to CT also includes seasonal devotionals, special issues, and exclusive content. Visit orderct.com today or click the link in the show notes to get started and join a growing community of thoughtful evangelical Christians who value different news that makes a difference. That's orderct.com to subscribe today. Hello, I'm Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts. I have to admit that Valentine's Day is not my favorite holiday. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't uh, love love, and it doesn't mean that I don't enjoy uh, showering attention on my wife, and that's why we, um, we make a big deal about wedding anniversaries and birthdays and so forth. But Valentine's Day just seems especially kind of cheesy to me. And I I think it does really, frankly, to most people. I think that's one of the reasons why sometimes singles in our churches just dread Valentine's Day. I really don't think it's a matter of uh, envy, as though they're looking around at all of these other people who are just loving Valentine's Day. I think it's more so that they assume that everybody else is kind of swept away into this uh, this sort of (laughs) ecstatic uh, feeling of love on Valentine's Day, and it just is kind of of grating. Maybe you love Valentine's Day and look forward to it. Maybe it's your favorite holiday. But nonetheless, I think that when Valentine's Day comes around, the big question that we ought to be asking as, as a church and as the people of Christ is, what does it mean for our culture to love love the way that they do? And, and, and as I say that, I have a, as the old cliche would go, I have a check in my spirit, because in, in one sense, the culture around us doesn't love love. And, and I don't just mean that in terms of an agape sense of love in, 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 a, in a biblical sense or in a C.S. Lewis for loves sense. I mean that uh, in terms of even romantic love. I mean, if you watch contemporary television, uh, for instance, and you watch the way that love is often portrayed, it really isn't a romantic sense of love often. It's often a, a, a series of of uh, sexual relationships in which uh, ultimately saying I love you is this is this magnificent commitment and if I love you is said just a little bit too too soon then that creates a a crisis even though these are people who have been having sex with one another forever but they haven't gotten to the point where they, they can say I love you because somehow that seems too personal that's a twisted, twisted view of uh, what it means to be, to be human and what it means to, to relate to, to one another. So that, that sense of, of romantic love is diminished. You see that also 
when you, you deal with, for instance, young Christian women who will say it's, it's almost impossible for them to find men who are Christian men who are interested in, in uh, pursuing relationships, uh, love relationships. So I think all of that is true. But there also is a sense, I think, in which there is a deification of a kind of romantic love that, if taken too far, can become really dangerous. And here's what I mean by that. When you look at so many different currents of popular culture, many of them are designed to appeal to that 18 to 34 demographic, and really often much, much younger than that, sometimes an 18 to 24 uh, demographic. And the reason for that is financial. It's, it's marketing. You, you want to sell products to people who are still forming their buying habits. You don't want to sell a product. I mean, my dad uses Irish spring soap, and he has used Irish spring soap for 30 years, okay? You're not going to convince my dad to change his soap, but you are going to convince those people who are just starting those habits very early on in their lives. So when you've got industries that are focused upon that demographic, then they tend to speak to the experiences of that demographic, which is a, a particular experience of love, which means that initial hormonal flush, which God designed. God, God designed us to, when we initially uh, come into a connection with one another, to where we're just totally focused on the other, so that when she walks into the room, I get sweaty palms and and my heart starts spluttering get butterflies in my stomach and when i'm not with her i'm uh, i'm just uh, listening to music on the radio and thinking about her all the time and and uh, you know that's the reason why why couples that are that are newly married or newly in relationships with one another sometimes can be kind of sickening to everybody else around them with the kind of baby talking some of them will do and the just the endless gazing into one another's eyes and so forth well that's perfectly normal and natural because god has designed them to leave father and mother and to cleave to one another and so there is there is this uh, newness and this uh, this sense of driving them toward one another to form a bond with one another now that's that's a, a good thing. But if your entire definition of love is built off of that, then you're in uh, a potentially very dangerous situation. And when the culture around you exalts that particular experience of love and stops there, as, for instance, most popular music does, most popular music is about love because it's it's one of the most powerful things that we uh, experience. And so you focus on that sort of hormonal flush, I can't stop thinking about you, you complete me, you're all that I need, you're all that I want. And then that becomes the only definition of love that you have. You add to that 
a hypermobile sort of American society where the generations are often disconnected from one another and sometimes even have contempt for one another so that people are not able to watch what does a really commendable, godly sort of love look like over the long term? And then you wind up with people who don't know what to do when their experience of love doesn't sound the way that it sounds when they're listening to Top 40 Radio. And then you end up with people who will say, I've fallen out of love with my spouse. And when I look at that, most of the time what's happening is not that there has been uh, some uh, awful revelation about that spouse. It's that the person isn't feeling the way that he or she felt in high school or in college with that, that newness of this person. And so rather than deepening that love relationship and that love commitment and seeing the joy of, of moving through all of the stages where the love doesn't lessen, the love deepens together as you parent together, as you go through crises together, as you grandparent together, as you help each other to die. We don't have songs about that sort of thing in, in most American musical genres. And so they'll think, well, I'm falling out of love. And then when they start feeling what they felt in high school or college, that flushed face and that butterflies in the stomach and the thinking about this person all the time that they met at the office or, or, or so forth, that's not because they are meeting a soulmate. It's because they're encountering newness. And so this is, in many cases, someone who wants to run away from the responsibilities and the, the rigors of, of being married to one another. And, and marriage is, is not an easy thing. It's two people who are having to care for one another and to sacrifice self. Sacrificing self is never easy for someone else. And so when children come along and job pressures come along and financial strain comes along, a lot of times people will distract themselves with a sense of a romantic love that looks like adolescence. And that's what they've been trained to think love is. And so I run away from that, and then it's just, it's just you and me. It's, you know, the Dixie Chicks used to sing, Cowboy, Take Me Away. And, and the song was, I want to just be where I, I, there's nothing around me. It's just you and me. And that's very typical of this sort of idea of love. And you end up with people who wreck their marriages, they wreck their families, they wreck their lives because they don't understand what love is or the joy that comes with a lifetime of self-sacrificial love. Valentine's Day can easily lend itself to that sort of thing with the flowers and candy and all of those things are fine and good and good ways to, to say to one another, I love you, I care about you, I'm, I'm committed to you. But if we don't see beyond that to, okay, what does it look like to love one another in the Alzheimer's ward? What does it look to love one another standing by a graveside? 
then we miss loving each other and we simply end up loving love. And then we realize all too late that the love we loved wasn't love at all. This is Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts. Every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear. Jesus transforms, CT equips. Make a gift to our nonprofit ministry with a gift of $20 to provide 150 more people with redemptive storytelling, global perspective, and thoughtful podcasts. Give now at morect.com equip.